the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's the look of love. That is what we are exploring today on Abounding Grace as Pastor Gary Wagner continues with our look at Romans. Join us. And again, welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, online at reformedheritage.org. Today, we continue our journey through Romans. Christ's love in the body is the title of our message. We're looking at chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. If you've ever wondered what loving one another should actually look like in practical terms, well, you've joined us at the right time as we are exploring that very theme here in chapter 12 of Romans. Join us, won't you, for today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Once again, here's Pastor Gary. The woman at the well, Samaritan, a half-breed according to the usual consensus of things. He just talked with her gently. The disciples questioned him, you're talking to a woman and she's a Samaritan? But he talked to her gently. I know the man you claim to be married to is not your husband. And she confessed the man was not her husband. Jesus gently led her to the place where she then goes and she runs through the streets of her town telling everyone, hey, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Can you imagine how he tenderly worked in her heart where she just voluntarily confessed all this stuff? Why? So that she could come to love so that she could come to Christ, even Nicodemus. Remember, Jesus rebuked Nicodemus, saying, you're a teacher in Israel, and yet you don't know about the new birth. But who does he present John chapter 3 to? John chapter 3 contains some of the most beautiful language and some of the richest truth about our Savior in all the Bible, containing, of course, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And who did he say these things to? He said them to Nicodemus. So our Lord had this tender affection. In this love, he touched lepers. He touched lepers. That ought to give all of us hope because we are all leprous with sin. So when he says here, don't love as a fake, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, Then he goes right to tenderness. Well, of course, that is the fruit of all of it. It's the fruit of feeling something of the love of God in Christ and believing him. And that is a tender regard and affection for each other. The word here that is used in Greek for kindly affection is oftentimes spoken of as a family love. It's a close love. It is an affection of brothers and sisters in a home and even used in respect to husbands with wives. And the apostle here says 
That is the same kind of love that is to be in each one of us. Why? Because we've been adopted into the family of God. And what we see in each other and love in each other as fellow sinners that have been humbled before the cross. Christ loves those people. And I've got to love them too. I've been brought into this family. I've done nothing to deserve it. Yeah, but they're not worth it. Well, I'm not worth it either. I may have less money, more money. I may have more education, less education, be better looking or worse looking. It doesn't matter because we have been loved by the Son of God when we were unlovable. He bore our wrath upon the cross, therefore we are bound together, and the seal of that bond is the blood of Christ. And if we don't love one another, it's like we have poured Christ's love on the ground and we've just spit upon it. If we hold to things and don't forgive and don't confront when we need to confront, like if we see a young person struggling and we don't go to him and say, brother, what's going on? Or, hey, sister, what's going on? I'm concerned about you, and I'm praying for you. If we know a whole catalog of things that people are doing on the Internet, supposedly in secrecy with someone, we must confront them. Or that is a fake world. And yeah, it may be a fake world. But while people are there, their characters are being formed. If we know about these things and we're not, hey, I'm really concerned about you. I've been seeing this stuff And then we take the blood of Christ and we pour it on the ground and we spit on it because all love within the body and tenderness and affection flows from his love to us. It is because he loved that we can love. This really is our first love. We love our families and, of course, we prefer to be comfortable when we are with them, so... You know, we kick off our shoes and we wear our T-shirts with the holes in them when we're in our homes. But those close earthly connections are going to be severed at death. Christian relations are the only ones that will go forward into eternity. So you can say, well, I love my family first. Yes, and on earth that is the main line of responsibility. There's no doubt about it. The Bible speaks to that repeatedly. But at the same time, if there is not room in that for, but I've got to nurture the relations that are going to be eternal, including with my Christian children, including with my Christian wife, because really my children are not my children, except for but a brief second. They're really going to be my brothers and sisters throughout all eternity. So I've got to discipline and love and serve even in my home with the internal in mind, with eternal relations in mind. This is more here than just words, by the way, but it requires words. Let's turn to John chapter 13. As I was thinking about Christ's tender regard and his affectionate heart, these came to me in a real moving way. It's amazing how often Jesus verbally says, I love you. So let's look at a few verses. John 13, 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, 
that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them to the end. So here, announcing a theme of love. Verse 23, the same chapter. Now there was reclining on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Verse 4, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Chapter 14, verse 21. He that hath my commandment and keeps them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me be loved of my, shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Chapter 15, 9. As the Father hath loved you, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. Verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love had no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. So here is Jesus. He's a grown man, but even more, he is the God of man. And he is with his disciples, and he says, I love you, I love you, I love you. He's never embarrassed to say to his brothers and sisters, I love you. And he was never embarrassed about John reclining on his breast. Lord, just hold me. Love, hold me. Mara, Martha, Lazarus, he expressed such love to them. But I wonder, parents, since we are also to practice this in the home, how often you really look your children in the eye and say, I love you. When is the last time a brother said to another brother in this congregation, I love you. I'm praying for you. I love you. Where does that come from? Well, he's just a friendly guy. Hogwash. It doesn't come from that at all. It comes from Christ because he has given us his Holy Spirit who works a renewal in us. So that instead of walking around thinking, well, No one said anything to me today, and I don't want to make myself open to anyone. I'm just going to wear a mask. I'm going to wear a hard look on my face so that no one will dare ask me any questions. Oh, that is stupid, 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 selfish, selfish, selfish. That is not the love of Christ. The love of Christ says, I love you. I need your love. Because I need Christ's love. Because all love in the body is Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's amazing how many times the way that believers affectionately react to each other is mentioned here in these Gospels. But Romans 16, verse, chapter 16, verse 6, in fact, was so institutionalized, if you will, as a feeling or as an affection or as a serving that we read verses like I'm going to read this five times because we really don't want to believe it. Romans 6, 16. Salute one another with a holy kiss. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 20. All the brethren greet you, greet ye one another with a holy kiss. 2 Corinthians 13, 12. Greet one another with a holy kiss. And keep in mind... There were deep divisions in the church at Corinth. 1 Thessalonians 5.26 Greet one another. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. 
because we are in Christ, we are to have a real affection for each other within the body. This is not a business relationship we have. It's not just a handshake. That may be friendly, but we're not trying to seal a business deal. These are not people that are far from us. We are to love one another with affectionate hearts. And if we have stood awestruck before God's love for us at the cross, we will show that same love. And where there is no affection among believers, the issue is not cultural. It is just plain deadness. There is only one person who can then warm our dead hearts, and that is the Savior of love who gave himself for us on the cross. Dad, teach this to your sons in the home. Kiss them. Hug them. Now, you may need to mend a few bridges and some emotional problems before you can do that again. But you just go first and say, forgive me that I haven't shown you more affections. Do that to your daughters. Teach them this in the home with a meaningful touch. I know we're all weak as men. We get in a hurry. We're stupid. Moms, you too. But show love and affection towards your children. Why? Well, I can't do that. Well, then maybe that's the problem. You have confused I can't with I don't have to. Because the Christian faith, when we come to I can't, we have to immediately go to, but with God, all things are possible. Therefore, I need to seek him and have him melt my heart so that I am able to tenderly and affectionately love. Now, this doesn't give all you single guys permission to go and kiss all the single girls. You're supposed to treat them like sisters, and usually your kiss to a sister is short and sweet. There's no amorousness in this. It's not that at all. It is the fruit of seeing each other as those who have been bought with the precious blood of Christ, and they should be precious to you. No greater love has been shown than when Christ laid down his life for us. Now, not only are we supposed to kiss and be affectionate and be tender, but he says here at the end of verse 10, and we'll stop here today, in honor preferring one another. You see, whenever we love Jesus, or better, whenever he loves us, and when he, and when he works his love in us, it always produces with it humility. Humility is, it's not about me. You know, people won't come into my little world and meet my needs. Or maybe your parents have told you no, and you're like, what? No. Or maybe your husband has told you no, and you're like, what? No. Come on, I'm smarter than he is, or this and that and the other. No, no, no. Whenever we know the love of God in Christ, it makes us humble. It's not about me. It's not the God of, I'm not the God of any universe. I'm not the ruler of my own life. The Son of God is. Now, this is preferring one another is not a flattery, but it is rather recognizing Jesus' grace and gifts to one another so that we treat one another with true dignity. This is what it means. So you remember how Christ washed the disciples' feet? That is the job of a slave. 
Peter recognized that it was a job of a slave, and he's like, I'm not going to do that. Why not, Peter? I'm not going to have you do that to me. Why not, Peter? Because I don't have that, that conception of your kingdom. I thought I was going to sit on your right hand and John on your left, and we're going to be... And Jesus said, do you want to know what kind of king I am? I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to get out some water, and I'm going to wash your filthy, stinky feet, Peter. Was it for show? No, it is because... He honors all his. He loves us. So he serves us. Jesus told a parable at the end of Matthew 23. Where he says when the king comes back. He's going to gird himself. And he's going to serve us at tables. What? Yes. Because that is what love does. You see love promotes. In fact one reading of this is that love is rushing to see who can promote others the quickest. I want to see this person honored. I don't care if people don't recognize me. I want to see my brother honored. I want to see my sister honored. If they get a job promotion, well, hallelujah. I didn't get one. I don't care. I want to see my brother, my sister honored. Philippians chapter 2. I'll close with this today. Because here the apostle comments on this very spirit at length. And perhaps here we see the language of tenderness and how this comes about and where it comes from. Philippians 2.1. If therefore, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, do you want to be consoled today? If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of spirit, if any bowels in mercy, that's an old King James saying from the depths deepest part of you, that which gives you health and meaning and vitality. Fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each of us esteem others better than ourselves. So the brother you criticize, the way to overcome that is to start thinking he is better than you. She's better than I am. Yeah, but you haven't seen. I don't care. But you haven't heard them. I don't care. All those things may need to be confronted and dealt with. But the default attitude is esteem others better than yourselves. Why? Verse 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Where does this come from? Verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So why are we supposed to be lowly? Why are we supposed to think of ourselves, uh, of others, better than ourselves? Why are we supposed to serve when we don't feel like it? Why are we supposed to love the undeserving? Why are we supposed to deny ourselves and promote the good of others, even if they are insulting us? 
Where does the strength come from to turn the other cheek when it is a brother who slaps you? It comes from Christ in us, that hope of glory. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So just a few questions and a way to apply this to ourselves. Do we think about Christ's love? Do we think about it truly? If you want to be humbled, and you must be, because everyone who humbles themselves, he says, will be exalted, but the prideful, God will crush. The only way is to meditate upon the love of Christ. So read the Gospels. Meditate on the way he gave himself for us. Think about it on your way to work. Think about it before you go to bed at night. Pray, Lord, help me to comprehend something of the height, the width, the breadth, the depth of your love, that I may be filled with all your fullness. Because the more we think about Jesus and the more we are drawn to him and his love, the more we are then able to love one another. Are you asking, seeking, and knocking for love? You know, love oftentimes we think is the easiest thing to do. But I'm telling you, it is the hardest. Why? Because it is the virtue that is most like Christ. That is why. In Matthew 7, and you know these lines, ask if it will be given you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock on the door and it will be open. Those are not meant to be taken in isolation so that you can then go out and ask for a Corvette or whatever pleases your heart. Ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open. Those come right after verses that say, don't judge Get the beam out of your own eye. But we can't do that, can we? Let me just say this very simply. I'll say it about myself, and you apply it to yourself. I cannot love. I cannot serve. I cannot prefer others, people, to myself. I cannot. When I took the fruit... Along with Adam, I buried love in the grave of my selfishness. But there is one who can bring it back to life in your homes, in this congregation, and that is the one who overcame our death by his life. So we have to seek it from the Lord Jesus. One last question. What idol do you have what idol have you substituted for love? A lot of times we get morose because we walk around thinking, well, other people aren't meeting my needs and no one's really talking to me. Okay, what is the idol there? I don't like being uncomfortable. I don't, feel, I don't like feeling I'm the odd man out. Put on your own idol. Is it lust? After all, that has been the age-old idol that most men substitute for real love, fantasy and lust. Well, real love can't thrive in a marriage, in a home with children, or in a congregation where behind the scenes men are nursing these idols. He can't do it, and God won't let it. So you must put up the idols. 
And how do you put up the idols? You go to God. You humble yourself before Him and you confess that the filthiness of your sin is not primarily sexual. The filth of it is that I have selfishly spit on the cross of my Savior who loved and died to free me from such filth. But I have thought that I can keep it on the side or I can keep it under control and I'll just take it out occasionally when all other alternatives fail. No, beloved, renounce it. Flee your useful loves that war against the soul. Pornography and lust are the death of true love. They're part of the death of the West. Oh, flee them and look to Christ. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408-866. Eight six six five six zero seven. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.